Warning, Serious Business is a podcast about Homestuck. This may or may not mean anything to you, depending on your current perspective. Hello, and welcome to Serious Business, where we're talking about Act 4 Homestuck currently. Uh, my name is Sam. My pronouns are he and him. And uh, I really, guys, it's weird. I got this citation for inappropriate use of Barbasol. <laughs> Hi, my name is Samaria. Uh, my pronouns are they, them, and uh, I just got a very stern uh, telling her off due to uh, public indecency inside a tavern. Sorry, guys. And I'm Bastion. My pronouns are he and they, and I just got a citation for fantasy jaywalking. Uh, was hit by a cart and broke both my legs. It's a terrible tragedy. Yeah, now you're going to die of gangrene. R.I.P. It's nice knowing you, Bastion. What a legend. This week, we read pages 1407 through 1508. It's like the second hundred pages of Act 4 of Homestuck, covering uh, from introducing the land of light and rain through uh, when Jade throws Dave's microwave out the window. Sam, you got any uh, first impressions you want to places you want to start here Um, in this uh this year's section so nothing particularly like heavy happens in this section um this feels very much to me a la the first three temples of a zelda game Mm. where you're like you're just getting the immediate quests done uh you haven't fully unlocked the grander overall plot you know like we're, we're collecting the tears of light but you know we we're not quite to the the shards of mirror yet. Like we're 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 getting through it. We just that's a, a very specific Twilight Princess reference for uh, those of you who aren't hashtag gamers like me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so glad you like that. Um, we're definitely learning more. We're able to get through stuff with better knowledge, but we don't quite know all of what's going on. Yeah. Um, the yeah. The red stringing at the moment is a lot of like solidifying connections between pieces that have already been on the table Mm -hmm. and less introducing new pieces for sure as well as taking pieces that we already know and putting them in very weird places yeah starting off we we get our first and only flash animation of this section there is no command for page 1407 uh it's just s and then like the equals equals greater than sign uh, but I like to think of this flash as uh, the land of light and rain because it is, in fact, our introduction to the land of light and rain. It starts off, we get our little map of the Incipisphere, uh, like the circle with Skya kind of symbolic in the middle and then like two dots right next to it for Prospit. Seven gates down at the bottom and a, a larger spirograph. Uh, this flash starts off with a second one appearing to the uh, left and then seven more gates connecting it as... Uh, Once Rose has entered the medium here, her planet kind of pops into existence, despite paradoxically, as we kind of saw with Loaz, having always existed. And then we are treated to uh, Endless Climb by George Bazinkai off of Homestuck Volume 4. We are very nearly through Homestuck Volumes 1 through 4. We are treated to some beautiful vistas of the land of light and rain. Um, It's very bright full of yellow clouds mostly seems to be covered in water pastel shades i thought it was a little a little funny that you know when john shows up in the medium he's in a dark void separate from everything else and when rose the most goth character Mm -hmm. in this narrative she is in the most like 
pastels, like light colors, all white and shiny. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, this is unfair. They're neon pastels, which feels <laughs> contradictory. Yes. But it's what it is. Yeah. I want to also like watching this flash, it always kind of felt like a low quality video to me. Um, but it really took uh, watching it in 360p for me to think, no, this was actually a very high quality video because now that I am watching it in only 360p, it's uh, much worse than it was. Uh, but we, we see some clouds flash by. We kind of see some like dunes of white sand with some like pink building outcroppings poking out of them. Uh, and then we see Rose's house complete with uh, handless Zazerpan with now this pretty yellow and pink and blue water flowing through it instead of the yeah. similarly unfair John's house got fucking ripped out of the ground seemingly and was disconnected from everything Rose's house in the medium the fucking waterfall feature still works perfectly like what the hell man well remember John's house is like mysteriously being powered right and and it has been stated that Rose's house works through water powers, so uh, everything still works. Fair enough. I think we are also starting to see some a pattern for how these planets are named with the land of blank and blank. Mm. Um, and for Rose, rain has kind of been around her since she was introduced, right? Like, I don't know. There's some room for speculation on the planet. I think perhaps Rose's planet being so diametrically opposed to her mm -hmm. personality certainly offers some room for insights but i don't want to get into it too much because sure. i think we'll, we'll leave that for later yeah. yeah jumping ahead just a little bit it is interesting that rose has the land of light and rain um, because we get a little bit of a subversion from what we expected uh when rose is referred to as the seer which if we go back to the letter at the beginning of act three is the seer of light in the oh. same way that john is the heir rose here is referred to as a, a seer by the very fancy script uh, okay i do like the fancy script does that make jade the witch then because i definitely predicted that rose was the the witch we will just have to wait and see not to get too far ahead, though. First, we get a little bit of a uh, exile the party. Exile party, yes. These homeboys just vibing in the desert with each other, showing off the cool stuff that they have to each other. Look at this cool rock I found. Look at this cool rock. Look at this weird guy Setting on the TV screen that I have. The most critical love triangle in all of Homestuck. Because <laughs> you know the people love a love triangle Hold up, what is the most critical love triangle in all of Homestuck? I figured it out, okay It's uh, not this one It's cool. not this one Well, well, actually, hang on Bastion, you're overthinking it No, no, I am overthinking it, you're right I don't really like this love triangle I think it's kind of pointless Here's the thing I have never enjoyed a love triangle Pretty much ever, I find them all obnoxious hetero bullshit. So, this is just something I'm gonna get through. Yeah. Well, I guess it's not really a love triangle. Yeah. Uh, you gotta wait till we get just, to troll romance, um, though. Competing suitors at this point, because PM is PM is like humoring both of them. Yeah. 
Which is and does not give a shit. Worse. Ace icon. Well, we'll get to that later, I guess. In WV trying to impress uh, the Peregrine Mendicant, he leads her into the third chamber of his Spurb station, which has a weird... I mean, it looks like an ectobiology sendificator, transportalizer. Like, it's, it's another complex machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some frog iconography and a spirograph iconography on it. Indeed. It'll be important much, much later. He leads PM into the computer room to try to show her John. And she instead is, is more taken with his drawings, specifically his drawings of the four planets on the walls. I think we're revisiting these floor drawings of, of the planets at this point mm-hmm. to like two of them clearly are the land of light and rain and the land of wind and shade. Right. So so this is our hey, you should be red stringing these things to the kids planets. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a hey, remember this thing that you saw remember? earlier? This here's, is what it means. Here's the foreshadowing again. Here you go. Which I, I appreciate. One of these planets clearly has a volcano on it erupting and another uh Kind of looks geary. Gears of War. Has the label from the motor oil on it. Oh, that's what it is, right. I forgot about that. WV gets distracted because something's cooking outside. And then we see uh, the Peregrine Mendicant is the person who's commanding John through that game we just played. Yeah. We get a nice walkthrough of all of the like big moments from the game, which is uh, nice for people who are reading that game on their iPhones the first time through that's fair because i was gonna make the comment of i found this whole little bit kind of obnoxious because we just did this i don't need to see it all again in depth mm-hmm. but i guess for the people in the bathroom reading it on their iphones it is good to have it in a, in a different form but i do like the this may or may not mean anything to you depending on your current perspective because it is the payoff for a narrative joke that we saw oh, earlier listen, i would have if, if it had just been the one being like oh peregrine mendicant was the one sending the messages but it goes through all of them and i'm like fucking then what was the point of the game that you had me play that's fair i think last time i talked a lot about how i didn't play the game but also i didn't miss out on any of the exposition mm-hmm. Uh, which is not to say that all that exposition is here in these panels, but I also think going through these panels is the reason why I didn't miss out on like the main features of the Land of Wind and Shade. You do still miss out on farming these mushrooms, which... Oh, you do. A tragedy. I think also, though, if we are are sitting here with our editor hats on, right? <laughs> Put uh, them on. <laughs> Sorry, on my... Sorry I'm, I'm miming things that you can't see on the... I do think maybe a better introduction, a better flow for Act 4 is you have the exiles make peace at the very beginning or maybe even as like an interstitial thing between Act 3 and Act 4. And then you have this like wv bring pm in pm sees john on the planet and then you get our big like act four playing the game so you can still start act four with like playing the game game. that would have been an easier transition. Uh, it's a smoother transition like you have the exiles making peace immediately which was really kind of hanging after act three i thought Mm -hmm. though with the intermission in there like what do you do with the intermission right you love it and you, you love and cherish the intermission <laughs> but but yeah no i got you also in my suggested edits here you have to like 
put the intermission somewhere else because it would interrupt the flow from like act three to act four, which isn't necessarily uh, a good thing or a better thing. I don't know. It's a thought I had. I really like the way that a Homestuck changes perspectives between characters. And I think that would have been a cool way to do it. Yeah. And I think actually this section illustrates that movement really well, especially in, I guess we're not quite there yet, but the way it moves from the perspective of the exiles as we've known them to the exile flashbacks, Mm -hmm. which happen simultaneously to the kids as we've been following them and then to the kids again. Right. Um, which is just a very smooth, like one step of continuity away type of narrative transition that gets pulled off really well in this section. I also think for someone who spent a lot of time developing a kind of intensive flash game, I think this is a good way to like save some creativity and not burn out is kind of reusing the panels, adding some new eh, somewhat humorous dialogue in some places though most of the time it does look like this this narrative prompt is ripped straight from the game mm. although now it is like pm's perspective on these events yeah. and not as much john's from there we go to rose being called the seer being spoken to by an as of yet unknown exile in fancy text because remember pm was jade's exile before something happened with beck and uh, blew up her prompt. Yeah, which might explain why we've only seen the two textiles, because PM is writing on WV's prompt machine. So it could be that each machine has a different text uh, setup, mm. but it may just be that whoever is commanding Rose is extremely extra. I was going to say, I do like the idea that whatever fucking corporation, organization, group scheme thing, when they were putting this whole thing together was like, listen, I want a fancy ass font in my system so that when Mm. I talk to these children, (laughs) I look fancy (laughs) as shit. And honestly, respect. Mad respect. I I also think we have seen thus far that typing styles are very varied and a way of characterizing people in homestuck and i think having someone type or or use a very fancy script uh is also a method of characterization especially now that we know that the people typing these prompts are characters or will be characters in the future it's a way of doing characterization on a character that we haven't met yeah because it seems pretty clear that it's not any of the exiles that we've seen. At least, I don't think AR types no. like that. I don't, I don't think so. Rose runs around her house a little bit. The dramatic voice says, you have much to discover. And then uh, we jump to, to John, who's prompted to go over the river and through the woods. But he's not going to his grandmother's house. He's going into the salamander village where there are big-ass monsters such as the Copper Cyclops and Tar Basilisks. And, uh, oh boy, do those salamanders look scared as their village is on fire. You can tell they're scared because they're tapping their little feet. <laughs> John has to save the salamanders. We also, yeah, this this uh, 
page of John is a pretty cool kind of silhouette. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a little bit of a new art style, but uh, the way the the, the uh, lighting is conveyed, the flames is of cool... the village reflected in his glasses. Yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty cool. It's cool as shit. Boy, looks like a hero. Meanwhile, Jade tosses the toilet through Dave's house, and then immediately falls asleep. Which doesn't stop her from being relevant to the story. Oh, not at all. I, I do love Dave's first response is, this is the worst shitting thing I've ever seen. Because it's like a shitting thing. Because hey. it's the toilet. Hey. hey. Um, Puns. Uh, Jade, in fact, drops the toilet onto his uh, crux struder, thus releasing Dave's kernel sprite. Jade falls asleep and gets a little spacey. And also it reveals the timer on the crux struder. Uh, which is also set for 4.13, which gives Dave a little bit of a panic, and then he's like, oh, hours. Got it. But unfortunately, Dave really needs to use the toilet, and now he cannot, as it has been ripped from its pipes and tossed about in his room. We get some fantastic lines from Dave. I just love the concept of Chekhov's juice. (laughs) I just think that's funny as shit. It's just very good. Um, I feel a contractual obligation to mention Frankenstein's incontinent fucking ghost, which might become my new Discord name. Uh, <laughs> just, just because. There's no real textual relevance. I just think it sounds nice. After that, while Dave is preoccupied finding an alternative to the bathroom, Jade uh, goes ahead and does some game stuff including helping the poor stabbed bird by prototyping <laughs> it in the kernel, which Dave is not thrilled about. That could be anyone's sword. What does it look like? Is it a cheap piece of shit? Because I only bother with high-quality blades forged by stoic Asian masters. Hell's of rude kinds of expensive. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's fucking trying to plot a piss bottle prank to pull on John and then gives up on it because it's too complicated. Which is absolutely something I would do, is dream up an entire scheme and be like, oh, yeah, this would be fantastic. And then going, eh, it's too complicated. I'm just going to piss in the shower. We get also get our first instance of something being referred to as to it's blank and it's blank and it's blank. End of story. Maybe not our first, actually. Maybe puppets were referred to that way. I don't know. This time, though, it's Jade speaking of Dave's sword and saying, it's sharp and it's through a bird and it's a sword. End of story. Jade throws the the sorted bird uh, into the kernel sprite. Unsurprisingly, we've seen that bit of foreshadowing. Indeed. And Dave complains about being stuck with a brainless feathery asshole as a guide. Oh, and then Dave tricks Jade into waking herself up by slapping her in the face with her dream bot. Which is 10 out of 10. I want to see the conversation where Jade has to explain to her friends what the fuck her dream bot is. Mm. Like, the fact of just like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's a robot that acts as me while I'm asleep. Like, what the fuck? I feel like she was like, this is how, like, oh, my dream bot. And they were like, what's your dream bot? And then and then she was like, it's this thing, you know, that walks around while I sleep. And then Rose had some, like, pedantic and, and yeah. very good, like, well, explanation. Like if, if someone had told me, ah, yes, while I sleep, there is a robot that acts as me doing what I do in the dream, I would be like, ah, 
you're full of shit but sure um <laughs> but then what if they sent you and were like here's a picture that my robot took of the meteor that's about to destroy your house like anybody I'm... can google picture of meteor yeah like great <laughs> photoshop skills i'm so proud of you um but like and also the fact that i mean we're, i'm getting very pedantic about homestuck but um the fact that jade's robot can fucking read text and that in her dreams she can read text off of a computer mm, but you know whatever it's a homestuck video game shenanigan bullshit whatever i'm here i'm here for it whatever if I wanted to get real pedantic about the logistics of this fucking comic, I would not have made it this far into yeah. it. So, you know. No, we're here to be pedantic about the logistics of Homestuck. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, the conversation probably starts with Jade being like, oh, yeah, sorry about the conversation last night. I'm always a little off when I'm asleep. And, like, them being like, I'm sorry, you were asleep when you were typing to us? Yeah. Yeah, the fact that Dave can recognize her talking while she's asleep versus talking while she's awake. I was about to yeah. say alive. That was not the right word. <laughs> um, versus when she's awake. That is a very good testament to um, like just how close they are as friends. Being able to recognize the distinctness of the different speech patterns. I thought that was uh, so cute. But also, Jade is pretty spacey when she's asleep. Sure, yeah. We get an exile interlude, and then... We see some some exiles in the past? In the present? Question marks? <laughs> well, they're referred to as AR mm-hmm. and PM. Yeah, so we've, we've got the uh, postal mistress and the authority regulator. Parcel mistress, sorry. And we get some good fantasy petty crimes and parking infractions. PM is like, oh, hey, there's some packages in that car that I've been asked to deliver. And we see that Jade has given the parcel mistress a note asking her to deliver Jade's birthday gift to John. And then parcel mistress gets a carved mini tablet asking for the other package, the copy of the Spurb server disc. Unfortunately, both of those things are currently being held by the nefarious enemy agent uh, the authority regulator who can't hand them over without proper documentation because he cares about the law and then we get a fight sequence we get a, we get a good... John's fighting things with his hammers but they're not nearly as effective as he would like and so he's just fucking hitting them and then his the the um, telescopic sassacrusher gets snagged he's getting chewed on by these basilisks and then a fucking gun goes off because of course there is a gun goes off in fact like a a very familiar gun sequence where it's like something just in the the barrel and then the barrel firing this giant blast this this gun totally annihilates the uh basilisk and then this gentleman shoots the uh gyclops in the eye like Odysseus before him, he blinds the Gyclops. <laughs> and just like in the Odyssey, the Gyclop takes the telescopic Sassacrusher and leaves. <laughs> and then it is revealed that Grandpa Hurley, in fact, is here also on this planet. And he has John's copy of uh, General Sassacrusher's big old book. I don't remember the full title, but he has it, and then he walks away with it. Weird old man. 
what a weird, what a weird what old a weird man dude. who I, presumably I he was, dead. was dead. Yeah, and fucking taxidermied. So question marks? Yeah, actually, uh, yeah. Do we want to do a quick sidebar, Sam? Because I actually have mm. a question about that. Yeah, go um, for it. Right, I'm taking my headphones off. Give me a wave, and right. uh, I need to come back. Yep. So I notice in uh, the Wortman that this appearance is not explained as far as they can no. piece together. Is there an explanation that I'm forgetting about? I don't think there is an explanation for this. I think it's just Grandpa Harley shows up. We know from his atrium that he has hunted these beasts because they are uh-huh. shown taxidermied on his wall. I believe that... Uh, Hargreaves as he is, the implication is that he sets up Skyanet, right? And uh, Mom Lalonde helps out with that, right? Right. Skyanet, we have seen, has technology to predict where these meteors are going to land, like Spurb originated meteors. Uh, And then the implication, I believe, is that Grandpa Harley enters Spurb through the Sky and Defense portals and then does his adventures around in game uh helps out dad and mom as we will see like uh-huh. through the rest of this act and then leaves through a portal and uh raises jade okay uh-huh so it's but it's that's some... that is me piecing it together from speculation but it is never no it's 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 never explained it's just that he's here and he's a badass and he's helping john uh-huh excellent and yeah, d- don't think about it too hard. Just Grandpa Harley's here. Okay, time bullshit. <laughs> Got it. Okay, cool. Time bullshit. PM receives a carved mini tablet with the uh, Spurban envelope on it and John's handwriting, which is those, uh, crappy sorry. And then she goes and takes the envelope from AR and throws it into one of the parcel uh, Pisces. Still don't know how to pronounce that. Mm-hmm. Pixis? She throws it into one of the things and says, oh, the breeze will take it where it needs to go. Hussey in the commentary fully says, like, yeah, this is me being like, it'll show up when it needs to show up. The wind. Just let the face. author take care of it. Yeah. The author will fucking figure it out when it needs to be around. <laughs> Whee. John tries to throw some barbasol on some fire to put it out it instead explodes and then a wind comes by and puts out the fire very conveniently this is the um uh hussy making up for the barbasol is the same as fire extinguishing when in fact barbasol is extremely flammable and not a fire suppressant is it for real very flammable it is for real because hussy says in the commentary i'm not sure if shaving cream is flammable at all actually it probably isn't it's just a funny idea to insist it is repeatedly without any clear reason why along the same lines as stubbornly insisting tab has sugar in it uh because as we should know tab is a sugarless drink i would imagine is the is it the shaving cream itself or is it the aerosolized can because uh, I I'd believe it is both. Just both? Alright. Dear Google, flammable. is shaving cream flammable? Google says, okay, so the, the aerosol, yes. Hold up. This is a Wired article. 
Gonna be honest, I did consider yesterday going to buy some Barbasol and then trying to burn it safely <laughs> outside. I love that. Um, I love that for you. It does look like Barbasol is flammable, perhaps only because it is in a aerosol can. But I don't know. Uh, Good to know. Uh, Doesn't really matter. Well, let's see. Oh, here's the material safety data sheet. So let's uh, okay. let's have a look. Here we go. Uh, yes, uh, flammability classification is fire four. So that is quite is flammable. A lot of fire. Yep. Okay. okay, cool. Yep. Yep. A lot I think of fire. The scale is maybe <laughs> zero to four or zero to five. Yeah. PM notices the Swerb spirograph on the temple and is like oh shit, I need to do a thing. And then she is revealed is the one who asked John to draw the Spurb envelope on the mini tablet uh, so that she can get the envelope for him. And he tries to do it whilst being hoisted by a crowd of salamanders who are celebrating rambunctiously, tapping their little feet. And dear God, I love these guys so much. They're so cute. I did not predict you would be this enthralled by the salamanders. They're adorable, and I'm I love not, them. No, they are adorable. I love them so much. They're just great, man. I just think they're neat. Anyways, let me snap back to Rose. And she's trying to find her sprite in her big old house. And uh, she winds up going outside following the spooky voice in fancy letters and uh oh she's pestered by dave but she can't she can't feel it because her laptop is wrapped in yarn yeah i think at this section we start to get a sense for the fact that rose's quest is going to be quite a bit different than john's yeah just in that like the setup for the way that she's going to interact with her world is I mean we don't have nearly the same amount of context for her yet right but so far it seems quite different I mean in fairness we only had the one example of John and his situation beforehand and right who's to say yeah, that we all of these things are we going haven't to be the same. seen any uh, residents of Rose's planet yet. So there may yet be some overlap. We've seen a bunch of kittens. We also haven't nice. seen any imps or monsters around Rose's house yet. Just some kittens. Um, that's true. But similar to John, Mom Lalonde has left the house. She has gone off to explore this planet on her own. Rose goes out to where the mausoleum was, goes down to like the tunnel that Secret led to the tunnel. big lab. Secret tunnel and comes out to a boat dock. Except there is no boat there, only the left behind glass of a martini, undrunk. Who could have taken the boat? It's a mystery. It's a fucking it was, mystery. Uh the horse. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse you, Sam. Maple hoof is a pony. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, Sam, sure, what the sure. fuck? No, I just like the who who wrote the fucking uh, shortest saddest story in the world uh, left on this dock. One martini, never <laughs> drunk. <laughs> uh, I believe that's a uh, oh, what's his name? I hated reading Hemingway. Yeah, Hemingway? Ernest. Uh, farewell to arms, dude. Uh, fucking. Ernest. I had to read a farewell to arms immediately after reading the Grapes of Wrath in high school, and 
let me tell you, I really love Steinbeck's prose and then to be thrown immediately into Hemingway where he's like, describes a man being shot in the head and the next sentence is, he looked very dead. It's like, no shit, Hemingway. Here's a three-page conversation of people who are talking past each other and there is no sentence tags or any way of telling who's having which conversation. Is Hemingway the one Fuck who you. wrote Hills Like White Elephants? Is that yes. Hemingway? That is yeah, also fuck Hemingway. that guy. That guy sucks. <laughs> Best thing to come out of Hemingway is uh, Randy Feltface's The Life and Times of Ernest Miller Hemingway in three and a half minutes. That video fucking rocks. I do also quite like the, uh, I don't want to say it's a genre, but like the the time travel episodes where it's like time traveler goes back to the lost generation in France. And then it's a lot of making fun of Hemingway for, and it's just actors playing this like super macho dude, because like, to be fair, Hemingway was a macho dude, but also like, I think it's funny to see representations of him and be like, ah, yes, this is what people were like the epitome of manhood. Got clawed whilst playing with a lion. <laughs> I mean, he was just kind of like that. He also visited Michigan regularly. So Why? for Just fishing, cause... obviously. Uh, Got a lot of lakes. Up in, I think you. the White Cloud area. We get Cantown rebuilt, except it's actually called Exile Town now. WV is building it, and AR is not amused uh, because, of course, there's no militia to defend this town. Um, all this to say, uh, Cantown has now speedily engaged the military industrial complex (laughs) (laughs) but i love this this is one of my favorite like forms of comedy where it's like a person walks up and is like what are you doing you're being ridiculous but rather than being ridiculous for the obvious reason it's like you don't do your make pretend like that you do your make pretend like this and then adds to the make pretend that is my favorite thing i love that we love yeah. a yes and in this house. We did neglect to mention that the campfire, which the exiles are uh, gathered around, is a bunch of black powder out of yeah, the bullets that fucking... have been lit on fire. Like I was, just, I was it's, waiting it's for It's straight to bullets. There are yeah, bullets in the fire. They're going to get shot by their fire. Yeah, Hussey was getting shit for a fucking Barbasol being on. Like, this is literally. <laughs> that's, not, that's not how you do a fire, Hussey. Hussy, no! Uh, These fire physics make no sense. (laughs) Oh, I also, at this point, I do think, actually, Cantown is cute, right? But also, in the intermission, we saw that the exiles are the ones who, like, rebuild society after these planets have died. And I do think, actually, like, now that we're here, Cantown is a good, like, precursor. Like, it's city planning. And... You know, these these NPCs can live for a while because uh, we see them in the game uh, and, you know, long enough to repress certain things, as we've seen with WV. But they are like taking the first steps to rebuilding society. Mm-hmm. And then a giant egg appears in the sky. Behold. With appropriate onomatopoeia. Egg. Egg. And then there's another egg. It's uh, Dave's entry item. It's an egg. Because remember, the exile stations are based off of the entry items. Uh, and we get another onomatopoeia for that egg. Egg. Uh, all Dave's inventory stuff that he dumped out on the roof is gone. 
<laughs> there's some discussion of how does one use an egg as an entry item? Does he eat it? Does he hatch it? Does he cook it? <laughs> and then the choice is taken away because the bird, uh, who is the kernel sprite, uh, is like, oh, yes, an egg? I know what to do with this. Uh, and just takes it and puts it in the nest that it's made out of all of Dave's stuff. Just a nest made of swords and puppets. Okay, so the egg is now in a nest made of shitty swords and soft puppet ass. Please advise. <laughs> 10 out of 10. It suggests uh, nuking it in the microwave, and uh, Jade removes his microwave. And that brings us to the the, the end of what we read. Um, so I think we ought to talk a little bit about the entry items that we've seen so far and see if we can extrapolate a little bit onto yeah. what that might mean for Dave. Quick, before we get to that, though, Jade has placed Dave's uh, alchemeter on top of an air conditioning unit and says, I was going to build some stairs to get up there. And Dave's like, where are the stairs? And it does feel like the perfect place for a Sweet Bro and Hello Jeff reference, but we don't get one, uh, which yeah. is a little disappointing to me. We do get very cute banter, though, where Jade is like, well, I would have built them, but um, I was too busy recovering from being robo-slapped by some asshole. Uh, Dave also mentions putting the stuff in his inventory to use against Bro, which, as we know from author's commentary, was Hussey's plan for them to, like, rap battle, which I think we've established would have been cool, but thank goodness it didn't happen because page count. Yeah. Um, so the entry items, to recap, that we've seen so far, uh, we've got John with the apple, Rose with the bottle, and now Dave with the egg. So when it comes to eggs as a metaphor, I think the first thing is probably new life. Yeah, I was going to say that's definitely mm -hmm. a fertility thing. Yeah. Which doesn't seem to be a great fit here. Um, well, it's, it's still the theme of beginnings, right, that you have with, like, christening a ship. Yes, okay. But as Wirtman points out, it also has to do with maturity and like child raising, um, mm. right? The egg as connected to the nest and the like nurture of the parent bird to the, the child, mm -hmm. um, which could be a way of connecting Dave's entry item to his relationship with Bro, the same way that Rose's item was very strongly connected with Mom. Mm -hmm. Not hundred percent sure um also another thing with eggs is like transformation and sort of metamorphosis um in the same way uh like caterpillars and butterflies or, or a similar way um which could also make sense in the context of sort of the buildings roman and the like development from youth into adulthood also, it's interesting to note here, Wirtman points out that the egg is explicitly linked to heat and the hatching of the egg is linked to heat, mm. which like heat is sort of a motif for Dave that we've seen yeah. in yeah. sort of Texas and the big red sun. And drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. <laughs> the pimps in the club, drop it like it's hot. Um, so it's interesting that that because that's not like you do think of heat in eggs in terms of like body heat but in terms of like 
ambient heat or speeding it up in a microwave, that's generally a little unusual, I'd say. Yeah, I, I do think like we are also starting to see like the entry items are getting more complex mm-hmm. as we continue through because John just had to like there was an apple, okay, that's like pretty simple. Rose is given a bottle, which like is another abstraction away from that. And this is just like an egg and it's like like if I was given an egg as an entry item, I would probably die because I wouldn't know what to do with it and I would be indecisive. Uh, Obviously, you open it up underwater. Would you care for an egg in these trying times? <laughs> <laughs> no, Bastions was better. 10 out of 10. I love it. Incredible. But yeah, yeah, I'm very excited to see uh, where this that's goes. That's what we read. Next time, we are reading pages 1509 through 1622. If you see Jasper's sprite, you've gone too far. Exciting. That doesn't feel like a spoiler because we know Jasper's was prototyped. Yeah, we know we know he's yeah. here. Yeah, he's around. We have seen him technically. He just you know. Went he off. saved Rose from falling down that waterfall. Yeah. He's a tentacled princess now. Yeah. All right. So, uh, socials. We've got uh, the podcast is on Twitter at SeriousBusPod, and on Tumblr at SeriousBusinessPod. Uh, you can follow Samario on TikTok at Ghost in the Bathroom. Uh, go ahead and leave the comment Catboy Approved to let us know that uh, you came from here. Um, if you'd like to, leave us a nice review on your podcast app of choice. Uh, and thanks for listening. I don't think I have anything else to add to that. Bastion, go ahead. Yeah, 10 out of 10, Bastion. Uh, I love it. Oh, uh, Frankenfiles update? Anything new? Um, no. <laughs> my my cameraman and I keep having misaligned schedules, and so filming keeps getting pushed back and back and back. We have finally gotten Google Calendars together, so it's finally like, all right, this is when we're doing it. No questions. We're just going to do it. So. Oh, uh, I'm sorry the last episode went up late. Uh, I I procrastinated, and I have it exported now, and I haven't put it up yet, and I'll put it up as soon as we're done recording here. So by the time you hear this. By the time you hear this, last week's episode will have gone up a week late. This one will go up on time on Tuesday because I've just recorded myself saying that. Hell yeah. I believe in you, Sam. You got this. Unfortunately, you're the one in charge of uh, cutting that, so. That's true. I could edit it out if I said it. (laughs) Damn it, Bastion. What can I say? Except, listener, hit next.